0: I think it's a natural thing with each person, with each human being, that we follow examples. We naturally follow examples. We naturally emulate models and examples that we are exposed to. We, we follow, believe it or not, we follow the models and examples in fashion and dress. We follow models things we've been exposed to in parenting, we follow models of success. Even those who claim to be unique leaders are following certain examples and models that they have seen. Because when you go to hear one of these guys, sometimes, and actually most of the time, it's kind of a repackaging of what's already been stated time and time again. So the question becomes, Whose example are you following? Whose example are you emulating? Whose lead are you following? This is such an important question. And there was a a story that's been around for a few years that kind of illustrates this idea of the fact that we follow examples, we follow uh, things. You know, the Bible talks about us as people, it compares us to sheep, right? Says we are like sheep, and we've all gone astray, each one to his own way. Well, check this out. There was a story that came out of Turkey, the country of Turkey. Um, here's the story. It came out of Istanbul. First, one sheep jumped to its death. Uh, then, stunned Turkish shepherds who had left the herd to graze while they had breakfast watched as nearly 1,500 others followed each leaping off the same cliff. The Turkish media reported, in the end, 450 dead animals uh, lay on top of one another in a billowy white pile of sheep. Uh, Those who jumped later were saved as the pile got higher and the fall became more cushioned. There's nothing we can do, they're all wasted. A member of one of the 26 families whose sheep were grazing together in the herd was quoted. The estimated loss to families in the town uh, topped $100,000, a significant amount of money in a country where the average GDP per head is around $2,700. Every family had an average of 20 sheep, but now only a few families have sheep left. It's going to, it's going to be very hard for us. We, we, do, we, we do like sheep go astray, and we do like sheep follow the things, the patterns that we see in our lives. So once again, we come to the question, who are we following and whose lead are we following? Last week, we talked about how Paul had asked the Philippians to join him in following. Join me in following. And Paul, in other places, has commended himself as as an example to be followed. Follow me as I follow Christ is something that, that Paul said. So Paul is an example, and he's commending himself as an example. He's, he's commending himself as an example in doctrine, beliefs, and action and following Christ. And so, so he's once again asking the Philippians, he's continuing in that exhortation to join in following. Join in following me as I follow Christ. So we want to continue to do that, and he continues along these lines And so we're going to look at a couple points tonight. Um, I've entitled the Bible study, uh, Eyes on the Skies. Um, Our citizenship is in heaven. Let's look at it, verse 20. It says this, "'For our citizenship is in heaven, "'from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, "'the Lord Jesus Christ, "'who will transform our lowly body "'that it may be conformed to his glorious body.'" according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So if we're going to follow, follow an example, and Paul is asking us, commending us to his example, if we're going to follow Paul's example of living for Christ, then we've got to keep our eyes on the skies. And here, Paul says it this way. He says, for our citizenship is in heaven. So if you're going to keep the reason, the reason that you would keep your eyes on the skies as a person following the example of being a genuine Christian and the reason why you would keep your eyes on the skies is because that's where our citizenship is. Our citizenship is in heaven. It's not of this world. We, we do have a citizenship here in the United States of America. We have a citizenship here in Florida. But we have a a citizenship that trumps all those citizenships. We have a citizenship in heaven, and that's why we've got to continually keep our eyes on the skies as a reminder that we do have a citizenship that is in heaven. The Apostle Paul tells those who are true believers in Jesus that their citizenship is in heaven. If you're a Christian, a real, genuine believer, then your citizenship, first and foremost, and primarily... Is in heaven. You may be living here on the earth, but your citizenship is in heaven. Now, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and Philippi was a, a Roman colony. And because it had been colonized by the Romans, uh, they had all become in that region, they had all become citizens of Rome. And there were perhaps many people that uh, knew, knew that they were citizens of Rome, but had never been to Rome. They had never been to Rome. They were a part of Rome. They were citizens of Rome, but they had never been to Rome. They, they had to take it on face value, and of course, they didn't have computers. There was no photography. There was no video. There was no YouTube. There was no anything like that where he said, look, let me show you Rome. Yeah, just look on here. Just look on my iPhone right here, and I'll show you what Rome is. No, they had to, they had to take it at face value that, yeah, there's a Rome, and there's an emperor in Rome, and, and we're citizens of of Rome. Here in the United States of America, there are many citizens that have never been to our nation's capital. Now, I was just talking uh, before the service tonight uh, about our nation's capital, and we were talking because the people I was talking with were actually from that area, and I actually am from that area. In fact, I was born uh, like less than a mile from from the border, the city limits of Washington D.C. Um, but there are many people all across the country. I talk to people all the time when I travel, and they've never been to the nation's capital. Uh, and so, but they, but that doesn't change the fact that they live as U.S. citizens, right? They live as U, U.S. citizens. Perhaps they've never seen the documents. They, they, they've been told in class or whatever that there, there is a Declaration of Independence, that, that there is a Constitution, that there is a preamble of the Constitution and the Constitution all laid out, and. I have actually seen the Declaration of Independence, at least one of the uh, original copies, and I have seen the Constitution. And so these documents are real, and the, the country's real, and we do have a citizenship that is based upon those early American doc- documents that provide our freedoms. So just as, just as Washington, D.C. is real, just as those documents are real, heaven is real. Jesus is real and if you're with Christ if you're in Christ then you're a part of that kingdom and you've got a citizenship in heaven. And we've learned in other parts of scripture and specifically a lot when we went through our uh, epistles of Peter that we we learned that we're only pilgrims in this land, right? We're passing through. And so, you know, we're we're pilgrims uh and and, um, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're legal aliens in the United States. We're not illegal aliens, we're legal aliens. If you have a citizenship in the U.S., you're legal, but we're also aliens because uh, we're a part of something that's not of this world, amen? So go home and tell everybody that you're, what did you learn in, at church? Well, I learned that I'm an alien, right? Right? <laughs> So if it's true that I've got this citizenship in heaven, then I need to live like a citizen of heaven, amen? Paul is contrasting those whose focus is earthly and material to the focus of a true believer. If you back up and look at verses 19, 18, we'll pick it up there. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. So here's the contrast: the contrast of the non-believer to the believer. The, 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 the non-believer is focused on earthly things, worldly things. Their their God is their belly. It's a way of saying that the, the appetites that they have. The physical appetites that they have in this flesh, in this, in this world are the things that drive them. Those are the things that they're focused on. Those are the things that is driving them, is making them act in a certain way, react in a certain way, respond in a certain way. Their God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame. Wow, he's contrasting that. Remember we talked about last week that you know, man fell short of the glory, but in the redemption in the gospel in the cross that we've been brought back to the reality of being able to live for the glory. That we're living for the glory, but the glory of the unbeliever is in their shame, and that's no glory at all. Wow! And so, and then he finishes up there in verse 19, he says, who set their mind on earthly things. But then he tells us, believers, what we need to be reminded of, the focus that we need to have. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a, we have a citizenship in heaven. So our focus should not only be on the earth, but our focus should be on heaven, on the kingdom of heaven, amen? It's not, it's not, it's, it's not saying, oh, well, think about, you know, you know, people try to think of heaven, and and and, and you know, the, the the worldly caricature of heaven is that like you know we're all going to be like floating around with like you know white robes and like little harps on clouds and things. And No, 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 no. That ain't going to be it. It's going to be awesome. I mean, there's an ocean up there, and there's you know it's the crystal sea. And I've already got, um, I've already got, uh, you know, a, a condo on the crystal sea. It's got my name. I'm I, reserved. Right there. And, uh, no, I'm serious. I, I really... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so our focus needs to be on the kingdom of heaven. We're a part of a kingdom of heaven, and we're here right now representing that kingdom. And so when we interact with people who, who are more described in verse 18 and 19, we've got to be people who are the, the verse 20 people, <laughs> right? We've got to be the people that are... are have an understanding that we're, we're not of this world, that we have a citizenship, and it's in heaven. Now, if does anyone have a translation here that you're reading that uses the word for, for citizenship, where I said citizenship, but it didn't say citizenship, and this whole time you've been looking at me like, what is he talking about? He's crazy. He's nuts. And it says the word conversation. Anybody have a translation that says Conversation. You're nodding? What, what, what translation are you reading out of? King James. King, King James? Okay. So the King James uses the word conversation. Our conversation is in heaven. We read from the new King James that translated it uh, citizenship, right? So our conversation. Why would, why, what, what, what's the discrepancy here? What, how, how do we understand this? Because a person's citizenship whether he be from Britain, or France, or Australia, can be ready, readily identified through his conversation, through the way he speaks. Sometimes in my business, I'll have people call me, and just a couple weeks ago, I had somebody call me with this beautiful Australian accent. You know, you hear these people from down under, the you know Australia, and it's like, yeah, I wish I could talk like that Australian Barbie shrimp on the Barbie and the whole thing, and uh, that would just be cool. But there's something of the conversation. There's something of our speech that that is closely related to w- where we are, what what we're a part of, uh, and, and specifically um, our citizenship. And the same is true. Spiritually, for Scripture declares that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if we take a look at our speech, our conversation, we can probably get a good idea if we recorded our conversation, our speech coming out of our mouths on a day-to-day basis. Let's say you walked around and you just had it recording, and you were able to just go back and say, I'm going to go back and listen to what I say. Nobody else listens to what I say, but I'm going to go back and listen to what I what I've been saying. And here's what it would reveal. Our conversation would reveal whether we're more closely identified with verse 18 and 19 or if we're more closely identified with verse 20. And so because the reality is and Jesus said from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. What's coming out of your mouth on a regular basis is, is, is what's flowing out. That's what's coming up. That's what it is. And so we can, we can readily identify where the heart is. Uh, and one of the places that we see this idea of identifying uh, you know, people from their speech is actually found in, in, the, in the book of Judges, chapter 12. After a civil war had broken out between the men from Gilead and the men from Ephraim, Jephthah, leader of the Gileadites, ordered his men to seal the passes in the mountains so that the Ephraimites uh, would not get away. And one of, some of the men asked him, he said, but how will we identify them? When, when, we, when we see them, how will we identify them? They're our brothers. And he said, Jephthah said to them, tell them to say the word river Or shibboleth. Why? Because the men of Ephraim could not pronounce the sound of S-H, the S-H sound in shibboleth. And they would instead say sibboleth. And so if you asked them to say shibboleth and they said sibboleth, their identity of who they are was immediately identified. And so actually a shibboleth is actually a term in, in speech that has actually been lifted from Judges 12 to become something that actually is something where you are identified in your speech. Well, that was a shibboleth. And you will see this in in literature and and, and things. So the question for us would be then, (laughs) what are our shibboleths giving away in terms of how we're speaking? What is it being revealed? What identity is being revealed in the way that we're talking? Is, 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 is if I'm listening to you respond to a situation, respond to maybe a hateful situation or an uneasy situation or bad news or whatever it is, if I'm listening to you, am I hearing someone that is living for earthly things only grabbing on to earthly things, or am I listening to someone who has a citizenship in heaven, is living with a close expectation of the return of Christ, and is living for Jesus? Amen? Yes. And this isn't like a, hey, let's just you know beat us down and make us feel like garbage, and we don't have the right speech, and we're just not doing it. No, it's, this is actually kind of a thing to make us take a, a, a look at our hearts tonight. Take a look at our hearts and take a look at our speech and our conversation and realize where we're at with this whole thing. There's actually another passage in the Old Testament. It's found in the book of Nehemiah chapter 13. And I'll just read this one for you. It's actually, you can pick it up in verse 23 if you want to go there. It's Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 23. And this is actually after, if you know the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is the book where Nehemiah has this burden for the city of Jerusalem. It's been, of course, destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. The, the, the people of Israel have been in, in um, uh, captivity in, in Babylon. And, and now the Persians have taken over uh, Babylon. And um, now he has this burden uh, to, to go back and, and do something about the, the, just the ruin that Jerusalem has become. So he gets the permission to go back and rebuild the city, rebuild the walls of the city. So the, the book of Nehemiah is about rebuilding uh, the city of Jerusalem, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And, and so there's this remnant of people that come back. So when they get to the end of the project, they have this time where they are reading from the book of the law in chapter eight, and there's a great passage there where they actually read the book of the law to the, to the people, and it's just a, it's an amazing thing. But in, in chapter 13, we pick it up, verse 23, it says this. In those days I also saw Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab, and half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah, but spoke according to the language of one of the other people. So listen to what Nehemiah says. He says, so I contended with them and cursed them and struck some of them and pulled out their hair and made them swear by God saying, you shall not give your daughters as wives to their sons nor take their daughters for your sons or yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet, yet among many nations there was no king like them who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, pagan women caused even him to sin. Should we then hear of your doing all this great evil, transgression against our God by marrying pagan women? What was the identifying factor? What was the identifying factor Here that the children did not speak the language of judah they didn't speak the, they, they they didn't speak hebrew they couldn't understand when 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 they got up to read from the torah when they got up to read from the book of the law in chapter 8 no half of the people there couldn't understand it the children couldn't understand why because look at it they had they they had married Women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Ashdod is the city of, Philist- of the Philistines. Ashdod, Ashkelon, right? And then Ammon and Moab, we'll actually learn where that, that those came out of. The, you know, actually, in our Genesis passage in chapter 19, our very next passage, we'll actually learn where that all came out. Ammon and Moab actually came as a product of what happened when God destroyed uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and the daughters of Lot slept with their father because they thought everyone had been uh, destroyed and they thought that that was the only way to perpetuate uh, humanity at that point. And the products of, that, of those, relationship, those ancestral relationships were actually Ammon and Moab. And here we are in Nehemiah 13. So anyways, the speech is giving away the heart and the identification of the citizenship. And so the question for us is looking at it and saying, hey, what is our speech? What is our speech? You know, and let me, and and I'll move on after this, okay? (laughs) Because I know this is kind of a, it's kind of a er, type of a point. I'll move on right after this. In the heat of the moment, when we're having discussions, when things are happening, when things are being said to us, when things are being relayed to us. It can be, uh, there's a process, there's a, there's, a, um, there's a response that happens. And the question that I'm kind of zeroing in on is our response in those moments does reveal where our citizenship is or where we really think our citizenship is. I'm not saying because you respond incorrectly in that moment that you're not a citizen of heaven. I'm saying that it's revealing that your heart may be a little bit more focused, a little bit more grounded down here, a little bit firmer grasped on terra firma here than on the kingdom of heaven. And we've got to be those people. And... Um, We've got, to, we've got to follow the lead. And this is what Paul is saying to us. This is where the rubber meets the road as far as like li- living for Jesus and being like Jesus. And I think if I asked, I won't ask for a show of hands tonight, but if I did and I said, who, who wants to be like Jesus in here? I think, I'd get, I think I'd get every hand raised. That'd be a good altar call. Who wants to be like Jesus tonight? Yes, I see all of your hands. What a response. What a great response. But if we want to be like Jesus, we we, we need to let him uh, uh, teach us. And, and then secondly tonight, our citizenship is in heaven, number one. Secondly, our hope is in his return. Let's go back to, uh, well, let's just read the whole text again. It's just two verses. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly Wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So our hope is in his return. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our conversation is in heaven, is of heaven, amen? And our hope is in his return. If we're going to be following the example of Paul, if we're going to be following the genuine example of a, of, of a real, real believer in Christ, then we've got to keep our eyes on the skies and we've got to realize that our hope is in the return of Christ, in Jesus' return. He is returning. Amen? Amen. The Lord is returning. Now, some scoff at that, some ridicule that, say, oh, he's not returning. He, he's not coming. Well, the angels told the disciples who saw Jesus go up what they say? He's coming back just like this. He's coming back." And Peter actually talks about this to people that scoff at the, the return of Christ. Where is the return of Christ? Where is it? We've been saying this. People have been saying this. People have been reading this passage in Philippians for nearly 2,000 years. Where is the return of Christ? Where is it? And people have been scoffing. And Peter, in his epistle, actually talks about these scoffers and actually compares them to the people that scoffed at Noah and the the message that he was given. Oh yeah, it's 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 it's, the waters are coming. The waters are coming. I you know the deluge is coming. It's 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 going to be something. I mean, I'm building this ark. I'm building this boat. Where is the deluge? Where is the flood? Where are the waters? Noah, you're hilarious. You're just ridiculous. You are not, you're not even sane. You're not in your right mind. You don't make any logical sense. You, you know, where is it? We're out here. Look at these mountains. Just run to the mountains if you think it's gonna rain. Right? Same thing. The return of Christ is coming, just like the flood waters eventually came. Just like the, the fountains of the deep were broken open and 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 the flood covered the earth there, the Lord is coming again. So we need to be ready. We need to be expecting it. The message to the to the to the Christian church in the New Testament is to be expecting the return of Christ. Amen. I just saw this, I don't know, you know, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not saying anything about this or whatever, okay, I just, this, is, this was weird, but I don't know if you saw this, there's actually these weird, like, trumpet sounds in, like, I think it was somewhere up in um, some, some Scandinavian country or whatever, it's on YouTube. And uh, I'm I'm not saying it's the last trumpet or whatever. I'm not okay. So don't get me wrong. Oh, Pastor Charles was over there the other night, (laughs) and he was saying that there was like the trumpet and all this and whatever. I'm saying there is going to be a trumpet. Okay, there is going to be a trumpet. The the archangel will come and the sounding of the last trumpet and the Lord will descend. Amen. And so we've got to be ready. We've got to we've got to eagerly await. Uh, the, the translation, the word translate, t- translation there, eagerly await, is, is actually one word that suggest, suggests a tiptoeing anticipation and longing. That type of expectation. Now, in other words, if you're going to have that type of expectation of the return of Christ, you've got to believe it. You've got to believe that the Lord is coming. Now, no show of hands, but if I said, do you believe that the Lord is returning? That would be interesting to see, to see, to see that response. But we've got to believe it. Do you believe it? Yes. The book of Revelation tells us what will happen in the end. It's a prophecy that tells us how Jesus will return to the earth, just as he said. Revelation 1.3 says this, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. And so we've got to realize that the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. And we've got to live our lives with that type of expectation. If we believe it, then it's going to have an effect on our lives. Amen? The problem is, where people kind of get out of whack with their Christian living is they start kind of getting soft, saying, oh, well, I can do whatever I want. The Lord's not coming back. I can just get away with this and that, and it's okay. The Lord wants us to, to eagerly await his return because John says in his epistle that those who have this hope that it it purifies our walk. Amen? There There is a blessing in eagerly awaiting the return of Jesus Christ, and it does these things in our lives if you want to write these things down. Eagerly awaiting the return of Christ does these things in our lives. It helps us live holy lives, number one. Number two, it helps us live with an awareness of his presence in our lives. How's that? Well, if we think he's coming back anytime, we're also living with a in a reality that he's here with us in the spirit anyways already. Amen. There's an idea of the return of Christ that is like actually the the, the appearing. There's the, it's like the coming of Christ, but that it's it's the the the, the it's the, the I believe it's the word perusi. It's actually the word it's kind of like the uncovering, it's actually the appearing of Christ. And so the reality that we've all lived with, with the citizenship that we have in heaven, becomes full-blown in the fact that, the, that, that, that that he actually comes, he actually appears. And so it helps us live when, with an awareness of his presence. It helps keep a perspective in our lives. Amen? If we realize that Jesus is returning and we think that that could happen... And we keep that as kind of a mental thought, a mental, and, and a hope in our lives. Man, that's a great thing. You know, now, now if someone says, oh, well, the Lord's returning, something bad happens, well, the Lord's coming back, there is a temptation to think, oh, well, okay, super spiritual guy. You know, okay, go bring it down here. Let's, we're living in reality over here. We're living in reality. Well, no, 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 no. no. When we're on that side of it, no one's going to be saying, oh, we're living in reality. We're going to say, yeah, we're living in reality, right? Jesus actually did come back. Okay. So, you know, the book is either true or it's not. The thing that, you know, the words that are in that book are either true or they're not true. And if they're not true, we're all in this room kidding ourselves. And let's go to get some yogurt. right? Huh? You get yogurt anyway. All right. As we eagerly await the return of Christ. Amen? Now let's move on because we've got to wrap this up in just a couple of minutes. So what does Paul say here? He says, we also eagerly await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 21, who will also transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. So Paul says here, this is kind of like, you know, a little part of 1 Corinthians 15, like in the, the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> you know? So this is, you know, he, he's talking about we have, a, we have this lowly body, right? Some of us feel like that. Yeah, it's a, real, it's a lowly body. <laughs> Lord, give us, a, give us a glorious body. Um, but it is a lowly body because the body that we will receive is that glorious body, that, that spiritual body, that, that body of the other realm, right? The unseen realm, the, the realm of, of the Lord. And so, so he's going to transform our lowly body. He says, Paul says it like this. In a moment in a twinkling of an eye will be changed will be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye there is a measure of time that is the smallest measure of time they call it the Planck second it's uh, it's a really small <laughs> fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a second in a twinkling of an eye perhaps in a plank second will be changed and our lowly body will be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is even able to subdue all things to himself what's that he's able to subdue all things to himself. He's going to put all things under his control. You say, no, wait a second. Doesn't he have all things under his control now? Yes. But he's everything is being brought under the dominion of Christ. And so when 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 this is accomplished and the Lord brings all things under his dominion, that means he's brought it into that rightful order. So he's going to subdue all things under himself. He's bringing it back to a rightful order. There, and, and this is something that we should also, I, for one, get excited about this. If, if, if you know, people, that we live in a culture that justice, justice, justice. Oh, yes, there's a justice coming. <laughs> you cry for justice, you better be careful. <laughs> What you ask for, what you chant for, because there's a justice, and this part of this is what Paul is saying, is the ultimate justice, the ultimate subduing of all things, the ultimate reordering of all things under the dominion of Christ. And this power that he has to do all that is the same power where we'll be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. Amen? So... In light of all this, in light of all this, Christian, where is your citizenship? Where is your citizenship? We're part of a kingdom. We're part of the kingdom of heaven. There was a Messiah that was prophesied to Israel. He's going to come. He's going to come. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Amen? The, well, I, I don't want to go into that. Government, I'll save that. That's another whole thing. So we serve a glorious Lord. Amen? And if that's true, and we're part of a glorious kingdom then we need to live in that reality day by day. And that is following the genuine example of a genuine believer, a genuine Christian, a genuine citizen of heaven.